This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks, here as always with Kara Sismadia from the, not as always, because she keeps missing weeks, but here as normally always and hopefully perpetually into the future, Kara Sismadia from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. Welcome back, Kara. We're happy to have you here again. Uh, and then we're also here with Johnny Feld. Did I get that right? From Field Vans. Going to yeah. show amazing custom van work that his company does. So super cool. Excited to see those. Uh, we were supposed to be joined by Heather DeSantis, who I am told uh, may or may not be here. We're not sure where she is, but hopefully she'll show up and we can talk to her. Super exciting. Uh, looking forward to talking to her if she shows up too. A couple of quick housekeeping notes here. Uh, number one, it's windy and I have no furniture and I'm in my new place and this is stacked on a bunch of boxes for me to do the show. So if something terrible and awful happens, then that's what happened i'm probably safe and don't worry about me but we are also broadcasting live now on moderncampground.com forward slash mc dash fireside dash chats which is a mouthful but in the main menu and so you can watch us there instead of on social media and then for those people who normally watch us on facebook we are not broadcasting there today because facebook in their infinite wisdom decided that they can't verify my location as being in canada despite me never being out of the country in the last year and a half taking away all my special permissions and i can't do anything on facebook so eventually you guys will see the show, but it'll probably be in a re uh, recorded fashion uh, where you can't participate live, but hopefully we'll be back next week and everything will be sorted out. We are live on YouTube and LinkedIn as well, and you can watch us as a podcast later on on Apple, Google, Spotify, all those kinds of cool places. Kara, what's going on? Do we want to introduce Mr. John? Do you have anything important that you need to cover? I'm going to wait a few weeks lobbying and attending meetings and doing all kinds of important things. Yeah, yeah, it's been um, a great couple of weeks. Got a lot, a lot of work done. It's been interesting dynamics here in Canada. A lot of our advocacy efforts are still focused on lifting restrictions so that our tourism industry can really get back to full of operations. It's been, I would argue, the biggest, hardest hit, longest hit industry here in this country. And our operators are very keen to get back to full capacity and all of those things. I think there's a unique dynamic happening for them right now with, with the way gas prices and, and things are going and folks going back to work and all kinds of, of things working against them. So we are vocal about communicating to our policymakers and leaders and those kinds of things that we need them to back up this industry and, and let it get back to work. I spent last week at Tourism Industry Association of Alberta's Advocacy Summit and met some really operators, both on the campground front, but also some incredible tour operators, some groups that run some incredible attractions in this province. We are very fortunate in Alberta, I think, compared to a lot of other parts of the country. And I'm excited for, for where the tourism industry it's going to go in 2022 and beyond. I am super grateful for this work and the support of everybody so far. The last couple of weeks have been really valuable. I know Shane from our team, our executive director, was just down in D.C. working with the RV Industry Alliance on, on, on that in, in the States. And obviously, there's some impacts for Canada there in terms of getting our borders more accessible and, and moving folks around to our tourism destinations in this country again at a higher capacity. Lots of great work happening and uh, yeah, excited for, for this camping season and all the ones to come. Awesome. Yeah, we would be remiss if we don't mention that I think it's the RVIA's Industry Week in D.C. this week. And so they are down there talking to, I imagine, senators and important people that are much more important than we are trying to lobby for the industry and things like that. And obviously the Canadian Lobby Week was the end of April. I lose track of time, Kara. I was there. But I was super excited to have them, the industry be down there and have Canada and the U.S. still working together. And there was some U.S. people. Phil and Grassi was up here from RVDA for the Canadian one. And so there's a lot of cross-border kind of movement and, and 
synergies, for lack of a better word, uh, that all work together to make the industry better. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. So hopefully we'll get some reports about what's going on down there and things like that. Johnny, why don't you introduce yourself from Field Vans? Super cool. Like, well, we're going to show pictures of your van later, but just for now, introduce yourself. Tell us what Field Right Van's on. Well, yeah, I'm the CEO of, uh, of Field Van. I'm in Fresno, California. My family's been building vans since 1989. My mom and dad started uh, building vans out of San Diego, moved to Fresno. So we're in the center of California. We service all of California, all of the, the country. In fact, we've sold vans all over the world. We also have a place in Reno, Nevada, and we basically manufacture and sell straight to the consumer. We don't have a big dealer network like most RV companies. We are a niche custom builder, but we're, we've been growing and, and figuring out ways to get more product out in the hands of our customers. So what makes, and I know I just said we were going to put this off, but I decided against it now. So what makes field vans unique because there are a lot of these custom van builders that are popping up you and i were talking about the show how you were at a koa recently and you're seeing instead of some of the larger motorhomes at least in that specific koa right we can't say that's a trend yet but we're seeing smaller motorhomes vans type people show up at this koa specifically we're seeing different exhibitors we were at the alberta outdoor show Karen and i were there i don't know a couple months ago a lot of the exhibits there and obviously it's a smaller space so we can't extrapolate on that but Smaller van seems to be the trend, and, and I think that gas prices is impacting that too. So what sets you guys apart, and what are your thoughts on all that stuff I just said at the same time? Yeah, no, that's all correct. The whole van life that's been growing over the, the past several years, and then as with all of the RV industry, everything, just the whole industry is, is growing. As far as, yeah, the smaller sizes, I think we've been seeing trend as just tiny homes on down to, to our so we've been seeing that trend. And then of course, as you mentioned, gas prices are, are just going to drive that. You don't want to be driving a, a huge motor home uh, when you can be driving something a little more efficient. What really sets us apart uh, is we focus on like the adventure lifestyle. So we, we have a four by four system that uh, we custom designed for the Ford Econoline platform. They don't make that van anymore. They still make the cutaway chassis, which we put a body on. And uh, so one of the most capable RVs in the world, as far as being able to handle Jeep trails and really get off the beat path to some of the more uh, remote camping areas. Uh, we sell to a lot of outdoor photographers, adventure athletes, people that are into that lifestyle. I and mean, since we've been doing it so long and just in that off-road atmosphere, the, the quality of our builds is what stands out. We, we hand build everything. Finally, I actually just ordered my first CNC machine. We handcraft everything. We have about 80 employees here at the factory. And uh, so we focus on well-built vehicles that can rake you out there. That's awesome. So I think there's two things that, and obviously, Kara, do you mind pulling up his website? We're going to just take a look at some of the pictures here. And while you do that, I think it's interesting to um, think about how the, the perception of these this demographic of people who are switching toward the van life is. And, and I know KOA and some people in our industry have done some studies on this, but I think it's Interesting to me that you point out that you were at the KOA and you were seeing some of these people staying at the KOA. And I think there's a perception sometimes from private campground owners, at least some of the people that I've talked to, that these people who are staying in the tiny homes and the vans are not staying at private campgrounds at all. And I think that's probably not accurate. And yes, there is a certain freedom like you're talking about to taking a van out and being off grid and four by fouring and going on BLM land or crown land up here or whatever it is. But I think there's still an appeal to, I have it all in one place and I still sometimes want to go to a place with a swimming pool or miniature golf. Or yeah, you're absolutely right. People say, who buys your vans? And it's, it's really everyone who likes going outside, whether it be fishing or photography or just road trips. I have people that like tailgating it football games, you know, not your typical camp offices that we've built. And then, yeah, as far as the campgrounds, the words got out that camping's cool again. And so it's harder to find just those secret spots, especially with social media, secret spots and spots aren't so secret anymore. It's sometimes need a spot to stay. They can buy on a, a KOA or a ground like that. And they might have a bathroom or a shower or something. So something you might not see in a while. So yeah, we'd see a of everything there. Yeah, I'm looking at your website now. Admittedly, again, I don't know if my whole like platform here is as windy as it looks to be. Like the boxes are moving back and forth, and hopefully you're all getting dizzy. But I can barely see my laptop screen here. It's a tiny little 13 inch. So, Kara, why don't you talk us through some of the things you're seeing here? Like I can see the thumbnails. I just can't see the 
the detailed images. Yes. Yeah, um, I am really fascinated by the smaller unit options personally. And so this is something that like these fascinate me and they're so beautiful. I love, do you, do your packages include the vehicle itself or do you have customers bring a vehicle and ask you to customize it? Yes. And yes. Yeah. Both. Oftentimes we do provide the entire package, especially when it comes to financing. These do qualify for RV financing. So if you do want an RV loan, you need to buy the whole thing from us as, as one package. But if you do own a van, you can bring it in and we'll do either the entire version. We also, Pop Top is uh, pretty famous that we've been doing for a long time. And so people who own a van and maybe they want to build their own little camper interior, but they don't want to cut the roof out and uh, install a structure in the top for the bed. They'll bring the van to us and, and we can adjust that part. Does it have to be a van? Here's a van. Like I, I oh, see, like you could expand it to new markets here. Scotty, I've got, like, I've got a great, I, I love Jeep Wranglers and I'm going to buy one here. So what I need is like a, a Wrangler that convert unfolds like a transformer and has all my van life stuff in it, but I don't want to lose my Wrangler. Can you make Good that job. happen? Good luck. With that. Stop there, man. That's like up there. We're in about one of the expos that we like to go to is called the Overland Expo. They have a number of them across the U.S. That the original and biggest has always been in Arizona and tens of thousands of cities go to this thing. And what's cool about the Overland Expo is that it covers everything from motorcycles to the biggest like Unimog RV you could imagine and everything in between Jeeps, Tacoma, our vans, of course, some of these vehicles on the F series, like the earth roamers. And yeah, it's a really cool thing. So they have, wouldn't believe some of the stuff they have out there they do have stuff in land stuff like, and, uh, we are so busy in the van market right now that yeah, we're trying to stay focused there, but you're right. There's tons of opportunities out there. So many cool vehicles, stuff like this on. But I've traveled in Jeeps, I've traveled in pickups, I've done it. You just can't beat the, the band, Brian. I feel like, here's the thing, Kara. I feel like he sort of knows what I'm talking about, but he doesn't know me. So here's what I want, Johnny. I need you to find me somebody who will like, I need the Jeep to transform and like kind of the whole left side to come open and deploy a deck at the KOA of the private campgrounds. So I can have my own inflatable hot tub that automatically inflates and fills from water. And then I need like a driving range where I can shoot golf balls right next to it. And then probably some kind of makeshift campfire pit. It should be about, I don't know, 600 square feet somehow. You just got to pack that in the side of my Jeep. <laughs> I, I used to take on customers like you when we weren't. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. But you yeah, do that exciting. anymore. Yeah. Nikki on LinkedIn is saying there's still an appeal to have amenities like a hot shower. And, and I was going to say that when you were talking about visiting campgrounds, I think as much as I say all the time, when we, when we talk about competitive dynamics between say public parks and boondocking and private campgrounds and all of those things we can see each other as competitors fundamentally but our consumers want a variety of experiences they want different things at different times during their trips and so we have to embrace each other as more complimentary we talk all the time with randy hendrickson about like embracing your niche your thing and really making that the thing you're incredible at. And I think that really lends to this idea that if you have this incredible private campground with stunning amenities and a hot tub and, and a tiki bar, then the overlanders might, are still going to want to come stay for a couple of days. They might go boondocking the next three days, but those different experiences, I think, really can be complementary to one another. I think Nikki's 100% right. The amenities, the access to retail space, and a variety of things in campgrounds is really a draw, even for consumers. Yeah, I 100% agree. And but before I get into that, like, I did forget the tiki bar on the Jeep. So I need one of those too, Johnny. Um, <laughs> but can't believe I forgot that. But anyway, you're right. I, I, think there's, I think there's an overlooked segment here with private campground owners to target these people enjoy the van life. If I'm purchasing one of these things, there are times, whether I own the van or I'm just going there on vacation or I'm staying in a hotel or a private campground or a glamping site or whatever, that I want to see different types of things depending on where I'm going, what area of the country, what attractions are nearby, whatever. And if I'm in a smaller van, that allows me to go to the state park or the national park or the BLM land in the off grid because I have solar power and water storage and all those kinds of things. But it also allows me to then go to the private campground if 
the state park is full, or I just want that experience like we're talking about with the swimming pool and the amenities in the store. And so to me, purchasing one of these makes a whole lot more sense unless you need the extra space because you have a large family or things like that because it's more versatile. Right. Yeah, I agree. For me as a consumer, there was a time in my life where like I had a big fifth wheel. I also owned a campground at that time, so I didn't get to do a ton of camping. But I had small kids and there was more value to me in that because maybe we, we had dirt bikes to haul around and I needed a bathtub for the children and those kinds of things. But now as my life is changing, I really like my, my, the things I need and prioritize are different and they're shifting. I love the, the versatility of a unit like this so that, like you said, I, like I want to be able to go out into the mountains in the woods and be totally alone and see the Northern lights. But then a couple of days later, when I'm ready, <laughs> I, I want some amenities and a campground that's close to a nice restaurant or something. I want to experience an array of, of things like that. It's so versatile for that. There's no way I could have hauled my 40 foot up to, to some of the places you could take an incredible bank version. Well, and the other thing too, is that we need to get to the top of the mountains too. So eventually Johnny, we're going to need like a conversion helicopter thing because I don't want to, I want to get to the top of the mountain too. And four by four is good, but not for the smaller trails. So I just need to be airlifted to the top of the mountain, camp there, and then be airlifted back down to the private campground. I'm going to, Wait, Tony, to be clear, Fieldman doesn't offer service to book your helicopters for you. I'm trying to give him ideas so he can dominate the world. I love what he said is just, you got to shoot for the stars, but uh, no, we, yeah. we don't do that yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Um, we do allow you to customize your van though. So we do, we have. We've all these years of experience, we've found about the 12 plans that we feel work best in that space. Um, and then we also allow for a guy like Brian to design their own, but uh, yeah, I love when they say, you got to think outside the box. So we have to think inside the box. It's called a box of van. Yeah. Well, talk to us about a space to work with. <laughs> yeah, talk to us yeah. a little bit about that. How do you, as the CEO and, and through your years of experience here, how do you arrive at what has to be in the van and what can be optional or what cannot be in there? We give you the, the choice of everything at the end of the day. We do have our standard packages, but if you wanted to completely customize it, it'll just cost you a little more and uh, it takes a little extra time because it costs a little more and takes a little extra time on the manufacturing end. And yeah, we try and have some models that could be a little more cookie cutter, ready to go for people who maybe don't need that special design. But if you really want to go for it and uh, every aspect of it, we allow you to do that. So let me try a different tactic then. Let me ask you as the CEO, I'm assuming you enjoy the van life too. What are some things that you feel are essential inside your vans that customers would be remiss if they left out? Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, a comfortable bed, right? I, I can make it pretty simple. Having a comfortable bed and having space for your gear and mm -hmm. I'm good to go. But to take it a step further, if you really want to be ready for everything or live out of your van, we do enjoy camping though in the four seasons. So I think having a heater is key. Having a, I don't necessarily need an interior shower bathroom. We like having a port of agencies. We like having an outside shower to be able to do that as often gear and things like that and having yeah space in in room for your gear so storage a comfortable place to sleep uh in a refrigerator of course you gotta have refrigerator as far as the interior i don't use it really ever i like looking outside and the idea of camping outside and doing that yep. we use that van to haul our gear to get to sleep comfortably and then yeah we use the the furnace and refrigerator as far as our appliances awesome johnny i want to touch more on your stuff but it looks like we have heather here Finally, welcome, Heather. Sorry for my unprofessional appearance. You missed the beginning of the show, but I just moved into this place and have no furniture, so the camera is stacked on top of air purifier boxes, and it's wobbling because that's all I have. But welcome. Super excited to have you here. I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Carrie, do you want to pop off the screen share there? So Heather is, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but the notes I have for Heather are that she is a current Airstream resident, growing her company from an Airstream. She's the CEO and founder of Publicity for Good. She's a Forbes 30 under 30 nominee and a bunch of other things that I'm going to let you cover, Heather, because what's more important. So do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us who you are. Yeah. So first of all, Dublin, Ohio. I lived in Dublin for 27 years and I was just in Dublin last week. So really cool connection. 
do you want to know a secret? I've like I've been to Dublin and I was born and raised in Akron, Ohio, but the company right. just has a virtual office there and I'm in Canada. Love so it. I appreciate the props. Been to Columbus and Dublin all, all kinds of times, but it's not really there. Super cool. So I've been an entrepreneur for six and a half years. And when I met my husband, who was in the Navy at the time, our intention was to travel the U.S. and figure out where we wanted to live and settle down roots. So we first made the decision and we did research for a year, read every website, every YouTube um, channel if we wanted to get an Airstream or an RV. After a year doing research, we got out of the Navy. We decided to invest and buy an Airstream. We bought a 2007 or three-foot Airstream three years ago before the pandemic. So we've been living full-time in an Airstream. I have an office now, and I'll tell you why shortly. But we've been working full-time in the Airstream. When he got out of the Navy in 2019, our intention was to travel the U.S., visit every state and small city to figure out where we wanted to live, where can we make a difference, where is good to have kids, where is a good, a good place to have land. And then after all of that, going to every state, Arkansas, Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, North Carolina, we did want mountains and no snow. He was from Florida. I was from Ohio. I lived there 27 years. I then lived in San Diego for a couple years, and it's incredible in San Diego. Um, but we decided on North Carolina. So we now live full-time in North Carolina, in between Charlotte and Nashville in the mountains. We live full-time in our Airstream, scaling the PR company publicity for good. And it's been really cool. Like since getting the Airstream in 2019, I went from the transition from getting engaged to married to pregnant. And now I'm having a baby. I'm like 37 weeks. So I'm having a baby really. We have 22 acres. And now that I'm having a baby, we're probably going to Airbnb our Airstream because I'm a little bit ready to get nested. Um, but we'll never get rid of our Airstream. And it's where we made a lot of memories. It business to a million, which was not easy during the pandemic, had to take care of our team. So many lessons learned living full-time at a 23-year Airstream, running a virtual team of 23 employees from hotspots that don't always work. You got to definitely, I would say, the Airstream life is chaotically graceful. There's no way around it. You have these intentions that it's going to be clean and you have all these things and you do the best you can. But living in a small space, you just do the best that you can. And it's a really good life, simple life. The transition though was downsizing my closet and going through that process of not having a lot of clothes in a simple life. What I'm really excited for post Airstream is the simple things like having a bathroom to put my stuff, not having to go to a laundromat. I never was spoiled. I grew up with entrepreneur, but those simple things like a bathroom, a place to put your own stuff, a little bit more space to cook, like that, those are the basics that are like such a luxury to me now. Being on the other end of living full time in an Airstream for three years during a pandemic when you couldn't really work for coffee shops. Yep. So I think there's a, I think there's a lot of really cool crossover here, tons of stuff, obviously to unpack. And I'm hoping maybe Kara can lead some of the question here, but I do want to talk about briefly, like, I understand, like, there's a lot of synergy here between us, right? Like I actually lived in Florida for a year. I was born in Ohio. I've been to San Diego, but I also understand those struggles, right? When I was starting my company in 2009, 2010 ish, we were traveling full time. My girlfriend at the time and I were traveling across the country full time in a Jeep. We didn't have an RV or an Airstream. And so you know, back then, like before I, I mean, I was budget. It was all budget. And so yeah. we were going from private campground to private campground, but we were staying in tents and small little rustic cabins without bathrooms and moving every four days and figuring out how, like I was literally writing blog posts and posting on social media <laughs> from the floor of the tent. And so I'm curious from your perspective as an entrepreneur, how did this adjustment work for you working from a small office, trying to do all those things and bootstrap your company? And then I'm going to let Kara take over. Sure. So I feel like I still haven't really transitioned yet. I like started my business from my mom's basement. 
And then when I was 27, I moved to San Diego and my apartment on the beach in Ocean Beach was probably smaller than the Airstream. So I was already used to small living and then transitioning to the Airstream. I would say it's not an issue. The biggest thing you have to have is discipline. And I think my biggest regret on the road is that I would feel guilty for having freedom. Like you build this business, which gives you the space and time to be present and go to different places and explore. But I still never, I think, like emotionally allowed myself to fully be present and enjoy those things. Because I was still thinking about the business all the time. I think that's that's one of, the biggest thing. The it's I think it's that's a challenge. Yeah, that's one of my biggest regrets too. And I know I told you, Kara, but just two seconds I'm gonna make a comment. That's one of my biggest, biggest regrets too, is spending four years on the road. I went to every single state in the US except for I think no, every single state except for Alaska and Hawaii. And I saw so many things, but I didn't really see them because I was working. Yeah. Uh, so it really impacts your ability present in those experiences the same way you would if it was truly a vacation that you're always at work and which I think it definitely impacts the, the experience for sure. So I'm curious to hear about what things like hiring employees and all of that stuff. Are you doing all of that via Zoom all the time? Or are you able to personally interact with the individuals despite your, your work situation? How does that work? So six and a half years ago, when I started the company, we were virtual. So we've always been virtual. And my first team member actually was Liberty, who was my assistant at the time, who will have been with us for five years, I believe in February. She was in the Philippines. So we have a US-based team and a full-time Philippine team, and they're amazing. But what it did do is it allowed me to meet with clients or mm -hmm. potential team members. And then while we were on the road, we would strategically meet with potential team members face-to-face. -face. That was my next question is, does it impact where you, where you travel to, to in order to meet clients and staff and team members and things like that? Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think we're seeing a big transition for folks who are just really keen to embrace that level of freedom that you felt, gu felt guilty about. I know, Johnny, you were mentioning you guys are building like custom all conversion units and things like that. Have you seen an uptick in that? Is there more desire for that for you guys that field them? Yeah, de definitely. Yeah, more instead of the, the weekend warrior camper, there's more people that are getting life in the van. Yeah, working on the road and or at least extended you know, maybe six, eight months from the road and mm -hmm. periodically at home. Yeah, definitely more of that over the last five years. Five years, yeah. Cool. I think it's interesting, and maybe this is some of my own personal kind of feelings about stuff happening, but was your decision, Heather, to to shift away from the Airstream and, and move based around having a baby, or just the timing just uh, happening that way? It was two things. We bought land in North Carolina about a year ago, and our um, intention was to build. So we have a sawmill, and we're going to build. So that came first. Mm -hmm. The rush of getting on that airstream was definitely a baby. But I do think that every, everything has a give and take. Like you taking all your supplements or doing biohacking or all those things, it's really hard in an airstream. So now I think we're to a place where we're just like excited for system and routine and really all those things. Now we're already talking about like when our babies too, we want to have a lot of kids, like six to seven. We're so excited to then take our kids on the road and do it again. And we're really excited for that phase. But yeah, three years in an airstream building, we're just excited for a season of, I would say, just more structure, predictability, and all those things. And what yeah. I did find is for the last six months to a year, so for the first, we've lived full-time in an Airstream. But I'd say for the last six months to a year, instead of us taking our Airstream Spencer shows, like we went to Homesteaders of America, like two and a half years ago, we'd always take the Airstream. I think the last stint of it was, was like, worse than to get in the truck and go because staying in a hotel then became a luxury. More simple. Not, we don't take as much. That was 
that truly is a season that we're in. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sorry, Kira, go ahead. You, please, Bill. I was just going to say, it's interesting. It's the same thing with me, right? Like I spent, I can remember back when I spent four to, I think, well, it was like six or seven years on the road, bootstrapping and building the company. To, to the first time I went into an apartment and had what you were talking about, I didn't really realize, I think, how much I missed it until I actually had the ability to have a desktop computer and a bath, like you're talking about a bathroom to put your stuff and things like that. Uh, and then I'm so used to, I was traveling before the pandemic, 270 plus days a year to conferences and places like that. And so the hotel life too. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting how the mindset shifts about what you bring and what you really need. To be honest, because now that I'm in an apartment in here in Calgary, like I'm realizing I don't need all the stuff that I thought I needed 10 years ago. Yeah. And I think we really take advantage of, of fundamental, simple things. And so an experience like living in a van for a while really shifts perspective and changes, I think, in really incredibly ways where we see the stuff that matters in a different way. We, it enables us to have the experience. So many experiences we could, can't have in, in that fundamental same way if you've got a solid house home somewhere. But then, yeah, it really makes us appreciate some of those really little things too. Really little big. Yeah. Um, I think that ties I, into what you were talking about earlier too with the overlanding to the campground. Just, yeah, sometimes like my wife and I will be five days in Death Valley, like hardly a shower. And then, yeah, yeah we'll want to. Go to a nice hotel or hit a good campground. Doesn't mean you, you can't appreciate both. Yeah, totally. It's really perspective building. I think. Sure, Johnny. I'm curious about how are you a shift. I know we touched on this earlier, moving to these smaller RVs, and I know Heather, you were saying 23 foot Airstream a little bit on the smaller side. So, are you seeing a bigger shift now and recently? To are any of your clients moving, coming to you and saying, hey, I drive a 45-foot motorhome and it's way too big and I don't want to do that anymore? Yeah, yes and no. It, that has been a trend and oftentimes it, it could be maybe someone who is widowed and they, yeah, we used to travel in this huge thing and now I don't need it. Or yeah, people who used to travel with their family and now they're retired, the baby boomer community really big into that but we have a lot of people who are like i traveled in a westphalia Volkswagen van when i was a kid and i want to yeah. do that again so right. there there's a lot of that i'm curious um just for heather and heather i want to talk about your company in a second i'm curious heather because we have a lot of campground owners who who watch the show and who are trying to appeal to this not new crowd but this growing crowd of people who are working from the road like you were doing what did you look for when you were traveling around in your Airstream, as far as amenities and things at campgrounds, besides obviously internet reception, I traveled mm -hmm. with two hotspots when I did it. But besides that, what did you look for uh, in some of the campgrounds you were staying at? Maybe that'll help some of these owners attract people like you. I'd say definitely a gym was important. Mm -hmm. A place to work out was important. We stayed at a really great place in North Carolina, and we'll probably always go back, called Ember Glow, and they had themed weekends. So like, Friday night was beer tasting and then there was a cookout and like community. And that was the only time out of three years that I ever went to a campground where there was a community or an event to bring people together. Mm -hmm. It's crazy because you think that you talk to people at campgrounds, but a lot of people keep to themselves. So I would definitely say a place to work out is great for sure. Laundry and then what unique experiences can you create at your campground, whether it's like a local beer tasting to bring people together. Can you do a potluck? Those are things um, that I definitely liked. And then also other things that we would keep in mind is what type of activities were around there. So if a campground could really do a good job talking about what's like fun to do local, like we would go to a campground, but then most of our time would be spent exploring, going to coffee shops, going to museums, experiencing the city. So those are the biggest components that I think are super important. It's so fascinating to me because a typical, like a, a camper who's looking for just a, a couple days away or whatever has such a different list than this demographic. And, and I love to hear it because from the campground perspective to uh be able to address those needs is so valuable i nikki's on linkedin talking about personally downsizing from a class to a van right now um so johnny there's another one <laughs> downsizer you should have johnny build your van 
Yeah. <laughs> we would love to. Um, yeah, no. You know, I was talking I can... to guy, uh, from Colorado. He he's a sales rep. He owns a company called Van Wife Components. Pretty cool company. Anyway, he's traveling sales rep. Lived in his van. That's how he got into the van industry. Is just living in his. Oh, this is pretty cool. But we were talking about urban. There's not yeah. a whole lot of that. And yeah, why why not go into? Everyone's think, oh, a campground needs to be you know by a lake or up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. No, it could be by museums or breweries or so. I think that would be interesting moving forward is to see more urban campgrounds and stuff like that where people on the road could go hit a laundromat, hit a shower, hit a gym. And yeah, Heather, you nailed it on all those requirements. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because we've seen this demographic shift specific to camping in the last couple of years specifically. And so we have this whole new section of consumers we're really looking for different types of camping. And then we're up against some barriers specific to things like urban campgrounds where there's a lot more regulatory barriers often in place for those operators and can be difficult to get development stuff for campgrounds in, in some urban areas. So work on the association fronts, I think, to continue to communicate with and regulators about the value of the industry and how much it's, it can impact the fundamental of tourism dynamic in, in various areas. I see Randy Henderson's in the comments and LinkedIn too. He, he consistently talks like utilizing your surrounding area as is another amenity in your park. It's another pool. It's another or way to uh, entice guests um, and, and check you out, even though you have nothing maybe to do with the museum or whatever, the museum's there and you should utilize that as an operator to your benefit. And clearly there's appetite for that. Also, it sounds like Nikki's going to be contacting you, Johnny. <laughs> See if you can build a van. It's <laughs> what we do here. Yeah. Yeah. Heather, Heather, I'm super curious. I'm sorry, Kara, go ahead. I thought you were done. I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done. Go Heather, I'm super curious. Can you tell us about publicity for good? I know we took a long time to get there, sure. but we're here now. Tell us about publicity for good and again, maybe how it led you to get the Forbes 30 under 30. I'm assuming they're probably related. Sure. So publicity for good. We are a purpose-driven PR company that works with purpose-driven brands. So beauty brands, food brands, beverage brands, just brands that are really intentional about the product um, that they create and put into the world. And I have been obsessed with the craft PR, learning the skill and really coaching my team and just ensuring we build category lead. And with that, I feel really thankful that it's led to some awards, but really just helping a lot of amazing companies grow and become leaders in the space, getting more publicity than their competitors, telling their story and just helping them leave an impact. What are some things, and, and again, I'm, I'm from a marketing side too. Part of my other head is I run an agency uh, for about 300 plus different campgrounds and stuff like that. But I'm curious what your, if you have some top tips that you would give to maybe companies in general, obviously don't give away any of your secret sauce, but some top tips yes. that you think people could that often forget or miss when it comes to PR in general. For sure. So um, I think the biggest thing is really bridging the gap between your story and what's going on in the world. So we're heading into summer months. That's an editorial hook. June is National Camping Month. So you have to make sure that you have hooks to make your story relevant. And you really need, I think, to peel back the why, reflecting on who you are, why you started your company, and really having clarity of that. Then spend time investigating what's going on in the world. What are people talking about right now? And then really bridging the gap between the two topics. Another thing people have to do is make sure they integrate it into their marketing. So what's your process? How are you integrating it into your marketing? Are you, are you integrating it into your paid ads and your email marketing and all of those things? And I'd say big picture, are you focusing on competitors, seeing what they're doing and just focusing on how you are different? I believe that if your business media can really help you tell your story, I'm thankful I've been in the media about 700 times when the pandemic hit. I love PR, so I pitched my story to the media and that's how we got on Business Insider three times. Inside Edition did a story on us, WGN. And it was really just called the silver lining of COVID. And it just talked about this story, living full time in an airstream during the pandemic and lessons learned and all those things. So your story will tip it over time. 
whether you first start your company or you want to do a story that's talking about how you're doing something local, your story will evolve over time. Do you think that there's a point, and and again, we deal most, like there are two different types of campground, or obviously there's a lot more, but there are two different. There's a small mom and pop family campground owner, and there's the hedge funds, investment groups, multi-property owners, those kinds of people. So discounting those larger groups, is there a point where you feel like as a small business that you turn the corner and need PR? And what I mean by that is everybody obviously needs PR, but where there's a point where you put a real significant effort toward it. There's two um, sides to it. There's some people who are really passionate about their story. There may be a family who overcame a tragedy and now they have this story about how they're traveling as a family and how camping has um, really reconnected them and healed their family. That's a story. That's a family who just is really passionate about getting their story out there. I think absolutely that should be low-hanging fruit for you to a couple times a month, reach out to people, connect with people on IG and say, this is my story. How can we help? For people on the other end who are trying to build a business or use the camping component as a part of their branding, um, I think the first thing that you should do is just try reaching out to media yourself. I think once you build a sustainable business that's feeding your family, I think you definitely should look to invest in PR. But the great thing about PR is it's your story. It's your story that will get you on the news or not. So I think you have to start there. Now, if you're living from an Airstream or an RV trying to build a business, should you spend ten to that 20000 a month on services of any kind? No. And I know how easy it is to see what other people are doing and all the extra costs. And I think big picture too, if you're trying to build a business from an RV or a van, it's important to figure out what the success looks like to you. Meaning there's nothing wrong with having freedom and having a business that's bringing you and your family a couple extra 3,000 um, to not have a boss or work for corporate America. Like that's amazing. So I think sometimes having clarity of what matters most to you and are you wanting to be in an RV van and have a business that supports your family? Or are you the crazy ones like us want to go all in and scale it to six, seven, eight figures? Those are two different mindsets and both can bring happiness. Sometimes if I look back, would it be easier not to have scaled a business? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it's just you and you don't have any employees, you have more freedom. I think you there's sometimes you can have more freedom. The best services, I think you have to start with what's your intention? Where do you want to take your business? Is there a budget? You go from there. Do you mind if I pick your brain and put you on the spot for a second? Sure. Okay. So I'm just curious from us, I'm assuming that the typical small campground owner is not really going to be your client. Is that safe to say? They just don't have the kind of budget that a, a larger business would come to you to hire. Is that safe? That's hard to say because I'm such a heart-centered person. So if a okay. campground was like, we want to reach camp, I might definitely consider it because it's something I'm so passionate about. That probably was not the uh, answer you wanted. But. No, that's okay. I always appreciate honesty. So what I, what I wanted to ask though is, and again, I the reason I asked that is I don't want you to give away anything that you would do that's special. But if a small campground came to you and said, give me three or four out of the box ideas for stories that I could use, generically speaking, right? from a campground perspective to tie my business to this story, to, to campers, to time of year, to whatever, what were, what would be some, cause I, I feel like a lot of campground owners have no idea where to begin. Sure. So the first thing that is a ninja take that ninja tip that you should do is have Google alerts and Apple news set up on your phone so that you're getting all the articles of what's going on in the world for news for camping. So if you see a story come out on national news talking about camping trends and surges and trends, that's right there an opportunity for you to call your local station and say, hey, I have this local campground. This data just came out in this report. Uh, would love to do an interview to talk about what's happening um, in our local market about camping, talk about things to do in our local area. That's the first thing because you need to have a hook or something that's going to be relevant for them. The second, again, is awareness days. So 
this month is National Cancer Month. So you could use that hook to reach out to a local outlet and Johnny could reach out to all the stations. Hey, we'd love to create an experience. We can take some reporters on the road throughout the city and um, help you to understand what it's like to work from the road and just create this experience for local media members to work from a campsite to really do an amazing story. A lot of it is creating this amazing experience where you can tell the media there's B-roll opportunity and all those things. Outside of that, it's just follow-ups and just being charmingly persistent. It's National Camping Month. That is huge. And then if you have the data from what's going on um, from a news perspective, that's another lever that people can pull. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing that. I know sometimes there's a balance between the secret sauce and what you can do and, and sharing what your knowledge is. So I really appreciate you uh, sharing all that with us. And the MC Fireside Chats logo is on your head. So I'm going to try to remove that here so we can see you. Uh, but in the meantime, there we go. So what else is, what else, Kara? Do we have any other questions for, I feel like this is an amazing opportunity to ask all kinds of questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to. Uh, the art thing is fun. If, oh, sorry. Oh, if I could chime in real quick. Yeah, we just rebranded. So you're just speaking my language, Heather. It's really fun stuff to talk about. And our, you were mentioning RVIA, like right before I got on, I saw a notice that very first PR guy we ever hired, Mike Caudill is now the spokesman for RVIA. So I want to give him a shout out. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, we, we built a brand over 30 years that is one of the most popular van brands in the industry. And we broke off from them a year ago. So uh, in just, it hasn't even been a year. Last July 1st, we launched Field Van. And so that process has been really Heather hit it. Again, it's still interesting. It doesn't have to be expensive. You were one of the biggest advertisers forever. Because we have cool vans. We would pitch that four-wheeler mags or camping world or outdoor photography. Get all those market skiing magazines. We can touch all those things and you can really reach a broad audience and do it pretty cheap. But hiring a great firm like Heather's, it'll, <laughs> if you can afford it. <laughs> if you can afford it. Yeah, I totally agree. Johnny, I, I want to give you an opportunity. It's to Nikki. Quick. <laughs> okay. What are you, you selling to her? Yeah, Nikki, uh, you can email at info at fieldvan.com. We have tons of options. I'm sure you've been to our website, but, or reach out. We're at 800-827-3071 and we'd be happy to talk your plans for van and yeah, get you on the Thank you. And I just want to mention again to Rand, it, Randy's commenting here, uh, you've got to sell the zip code, which is what I was mentioning. And he has that great little tagline for it, sell the zip code. As a park owner, sometimes the best amenities are offsite in the local community. They're a big draw to the consumer and part of their overall experience. I appreciate that. You take from Rick so much. He does a great job of that. And all of the instances that I've seen him put it to work, and it's a really valuable strategy for her. This is part of the curation, right? And we obviously we could devote a whole show to this, right? But the curation is missing from a lot of these campgrounds still. Mm -hmm. And I remember Williamsburg KOA in Virginia did a great job years and years ago when I went to them of pack, just packaging together bush garden tickets that was yeah. nearby or, or, or winery visits and things like that. The guy, the owner actually used to sell, like he used to run a ticket agency business years and years ago. And for this curation for if I'm going to a specific area where a campground is and there's seven breweries around me or major city, which one sucks? Which one's good? Which one has the best IPA? Which one has? And if you can curate those things for your customers and put together packages on your website or just that's an upsell. That's where you can charge double the price. Go out and deliver the beer to their campsite for an extra charge if you have the staff to do that. And there's all kinds of ways you get creative. And I think that's the next really part. Yeah. We sell to uh, rental companies and uh, a lot of times they'll have our itineraries for their, their clients and it wouldn't hurt to reach out to, you know, people like that and say, Hey, here's a good opportunity for some of your clients. If they're looking for a place to stay. So I know when people go and rent a vehicle, they like knowing, okay, I want to see these places and I have a good spot to stay when I'm there. So yeah, all those things are good ideas. All right, before we get too far off track, Heather, any closing thoughts? Because we have four minutes left here. 
No, I think this was great. I really want a field van. So I'll trade you an Airstream <laughs> for a field van. My oh, Airstream you said you were never going to get rid of the Airstream. It's got memory. I maybe consider a trade. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe in a couple years when you're ready to go back on the yeah. road, like you said, you call Johnny, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. This is fun. If anyone has <laughs> questions about living full-time in an Airstream or running a business with a team from an Airstream or any PR questions, you can just reach out to me too. You want to give your contact information? Sure. So I'm just on LinkedIn, Heather DeSantis, and then it's publicityforgood.com. You can find me on social um, at Heather DeSantis as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. I think we just lost Kara. She was having problems there earlier too. So we'll just go ahead and wrap up the show. Johnny, any final thoughts from you? No, thanks a lot for having me. I enjoyed talking with you guys and learning your story too, Heather. That was awesome. Awesome. Thank, Thank you guys you. so much for being a part of the show. I really appreciate it. Again, just for everybody who's watching, uh, if you normally watch us on Facebook, you'll eventually see this when Facebook decides that they can verify my location in Canada. You missed that, Heather, but I'm apparently banned from Facebook, not banned, but can't do anything important on Facebook. For Met so yeah, like it, uh, anyway, long story. But super excited. For those of you who watch on Facebook, you'll see a, a live premiere of the recording. We are, we were live on LinkedIn, YouTube, all those kinds of places. You can see us on moderncampground.com or the MC Fireside Chats tab from now on. And then after, shortly after the show, we'll be available uh, as a podcast, the audio version of this on Google, Spotify, Apple, all those kinds of places. So really appreciate you joining us. I think next week is our campground owner-focused show. I'm squinting in the sun here to try to get the closing graphics ready to go but really appreciate you heather really appreciate you johnny best of luck to both of you running your company's publicity for good and field vans we're looking forward to seeing what you guys do in the future and maybe we'll have you back on one day to talk about future successes so take care thanks guys see you guys thanks for watching this episode of mc fireside chats hosted by brian searle and kara sismadia have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.